Candace and Ariel are not final girls. Candace is second to last at best. And Ariel is probably the killer. This podcast is intended for ghouls, haters, and Wikipedia summary readers. Listen on at your own risk. Welcome to our twisted mind. If it's not a good look, why do I wear it so well? Pardon me, I missed a your pretty face for someone else, but you just have to do because you see it's getting late. Hi, everybody. The outline that Ariel wrote says hi in all caps, (laughs) and I like that. So, hi, this is Not Your Final Girl, and from the desolate wasteland of family, I guess, this is Candice, and I'm here with Ariel, my co-host. What's up? As usual. And yeah, I can't wait to get into some sick shit in this episode personally yeah so back on our bullshit fucked up movies on our bullshit just in time for the holiday season to start (laughs) we're gonna talk about movies where there's there's demons of a of a vaguely christian variety and we're gonna talk about the collapse of families and we're gonna talk about like rural despair i think those are actually pretty good topics for as we are coming upon thanksgiving I think so. I think that's uh the the themes that we deserve but not the ones we need right now or is it the <laughs> themes that we deserve need but not the ones we yeah. deserve. Whatever. On brand for us anyway. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I, I actually love Thanksgiving, but mostly cuz I like to eat a lot. I don't love Thanksgiving thing. at all. I I find it I don't really like the food. Is that rude to say? I mean, it's fucked up to me, but I think that's <laughs> valid to say. I don't know. I just you can also eat anything you want. Okay, you say that, but everyone needs their shit. They need their baked yams or whatever. They need their mashed potatoes. They need their dry turkey. Do you know? We do need, need that, that, but I actually I've become the turkey person in the family because nice. I do the turkey in a way that doesn't suck. So that's good. That's an important role. It's it's important to me that the turkey not be bad. So I literally we kind of just outsource the making of things now as a family and like we make some things but we literally get um a bunch of like Indian food from a local Indi- like from Kelly's from Kelly's okay, Tandoori we'll Grill. See, this is okay, yeah, Kelly's Kelly's Tandoori uh local shout out local <laughs> Bakersfield shout out. Hell yeah. If you haven't had Kelly's you should get some. If you if you are sleeping on it. You should get some. It's really good, and it's also like they're the kindest people that I've ever met in my life. Yeah, and they're the we're advertising Kelly's for free right now. No sponsorships here. I don't need it because their kindness makes me want to spread love and cheer. So That's so true. <laughs> also, so okay, so I don't even know what you're talking about. So we traditionally, honestly, make pizza like before Thanksgiving. 
Um, yeah, the pizza giving. Pizzas. I like that. Pizza giving, and then and then Ariel has Indian food Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Just completely so alternative. Yeah. <laughs> Just eschewing all of the regular Thanksgiving traditions. Yeah. I think neither of these movies actually takes place during Thanksgiving. Maybe one day <laughs> we'll talk about that Eli Roth movie that's coming out, but... It's a possibility. Yeah, always a possibility. Not, but... <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Probably not. No, no. Today we are talking about a couple movies that I think are like pretty indicative of 2020s horror, which is exciting. We Ooh, have I love the that. Dark and the Wicked, which is from 2020, and When Evil Lurks, which is from 2023. Brand new release, but it's on Shutter. So if you wow, again, not a sponsored podcast, but here we go because both of these are Shutter. Both of these are Shutter. Actually, I think Shutter produced when evil lurks and um and the dark and the wicked is a shutter exclusive so. yeah 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 shutter pay us except for they don't have money so they won't <laughs> they won't no that's free okay. sponsorships that's our deal here at not your final girl <laughs> we are just um giving it away for free yeah out of the goodness of our hearts even why buy the cow when you can have the sponsorships <laughs> for free why buy the podcast when you can have the sponsorships for free that is so true and i think that's kind of on kind of on theme for our films which are both (laughs) yeah like i said rural despair i'm sure i will be i'm sure there are as at the in the future time that you were listening to this content notes on the actual episode but i'll just say straight up these movies are both really gnarly and they deal with lots of familial issues and mm-hmm. also suicide and also child death, both of them. So, yeah. <laughs> and just like, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of death, a lot of like sad, empty kind of themes. So mm-hmm. just uh, keep that in mind as you come up on these. You can watch them both on Shutter. And uh, personally, if you can handle these uh, themes, I think that you should. Yeah, they're both good, I, I would say. Spoiler! We like them. I think we're going to start with The Dark and the Wicked from 2020. Written and directed by Brian Bertino, the same maker uh, as The Strangers, which is just one of the movies of the 2000s. Extremely. Mm-hmm. And also really dark and mean. Yeah, this is very... It's weirdly... I was shocked because this film is supernatural, um, because The Strangers is like so not that, but otherwise feels very similar as far as like it's it's not shocking it comes from the same filmmaker at all so the summary on this one is sheep familial guilt and a cunty demon and <laughs> and i love this description because i think they're goats actually oh oh are they <laughs> i think they're goats yeah because i read a review of this that said that it was like played that they used goats because of black philip apparently you're not allowed <laughs> to use goats in uh, goats anymore. are out now okay yeah. close to black the witch killed the game and you can't use goats anymore sorry goat farmers not scary anymore there's actually goats in both these movies wow it is goats isn't it there's i just thought it was sheep goats <laughs> abound goats are sheep like yeah. I'm also like watching this being like, how viable, how like financially viable is this farm? I'm guessing the answer is sort of like, it's not, which is why they're like, kind of not having a farm anymore. Yeah, because I mean, I guess in the 
I know someone mentions at the beginning, oh, it's the daughter, it's Louise, when they get there. I guess I feel like I should say it. They, they're, they show up at this farm because their dad is dying and the mom is the caretaker. And it's just yeah, fucked up and crazy. Well, I guess we could talk, like, I don't, I don't know what the, the, the exact catalyst is. Like, why do they show up? I guess just because he's close to dying. I think that's it. Yeah, he's sort of, I think they've gotten wind somehow. And I'm not exactly, it's unclear how, because the mom is upset that they've come. She tells them that, she repeatedly reminds them that she told them not to come. Yes. Um, so I'm not really sure how they made that decision and we don't really find out, you know, it's just, they, it feels... They all seem to be fairly estranged from one another. Yeah, even the brother and sister are very, uh, it's it's like a very tenuous sort of feeling relationship. What Someone says, Louise says to her mom, she says, well, I thought you were going to, like, you weren't going to have any more, go like, of these goats. Oh. You weren't going to breed the goats anymore. So they were trying to wind stuff down. And we never really get to know the, the dad because he's kind of comatose almost, borderline, this entire time. Yeah, he seems he to just, be comatose. He lies in the bed and um, doesn't say anything. and But we get, like, an impression of him because he's, you know, like heavily referenced and like it was apparently his wish to like i mean not be taken out of the home and also to just keep working like as the mom says like just to keep doing things and not change or you know what i mean just keep right. going which is like very indicative of like derelict rural america honestly um or it feels like it could be yeah a lot of this a lot of this to me i was thinking about this and i was like a lot of this feels like so the setting is is great. I think it is. It it feels really creepy and mm -hmm. isolated. But I'm also watching it and being like, I don't. I have no idea whether this is actually like, as a person who has never lived in a rural setting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> like, this all feels like. This all feels like. This this seems fine, but I also don't know enough about living in the country in texas to dispute it <laughs> well i i i know that the the farmhouse is brian bertino's parents actual farm oh and wow. i sort of looked into it a little bit i to be honest i i want to interview brian i want him to come on the pod uh, <laughs> I, I so i so wanted to know because this film <sighs> okay yeah, sorry to sorry to interrupt. You, but I, will say I spent a, I spent a fair amount today trying to find any instance of him talking about this movie, and I couldn't find anything. No, he no. doesn't seem to have wanted to do. There's a lot of interviews with the actors from the movie, yes. and there's not anything that I could find with him. So I thought that was this was interesting because it feels like this movie is trying to say a lot of things that I can't quite tell what it is trying to say. But I, I would I, love I, to know what he feels about that, but I don't. Right. Think he well, I had to do a deep dive into his, a lot of his interviews um, after The Strangers because it was so successful and there's lots of interviews with him for that movie. So I did. Um, and he talks about growing up on that farm and, you know, he's like, you could call out in the night and no one would hear you. Like, it is very isolated. So like that vibe, I think that he's cultivating on that farm, like, feels autobiographical. Like there's yeah, things about this, this movie that personal. feel that way. 
Yeah, if it, it feels it feels like that. And so that's what I was kind of trying to track down and would love to talk to him about. But um yeah, and I wanted to I'm really curious because this film, I know we'll talk about it, but like the the lack of religion, like the pointed lack of religion is so interesting to me. Um yeah, it absolutely. also feels personal too. So anyways fascinated that, and that by feels this movie. that feels honestly like something that, that that feels like something that does feel like genuine mm-hmm. about because like if you're a person who doesn't come from a real setting making a story about people who are farmers in texas i think the impulse to make them atheists as a family mm-hmm. is really interesting you know i i watched this last night it was my second watch through but i was watching with a friend and um she was she couldn't get past the fact that they were atheist in fact like it it literally like she could not suspend her disbelief for that wow and i was like this is wild to me because i just feel like if they were christian like it would be just sort of so typical do you know like because it is what well it's also funny to think that no one is ever an atheist who like doesn't live in a city I I guess, I mean, like, it's true that, like, I mean, you know, Bakersfield is rural adjacent, adjacent, it's not exactly rural, but, like, largely, I think, especially in America, and in Texas, for sure, like, I'm sure it's a, it's an oddity to find someone who's not religious, but, um, it also, yeah, it is funny, because they're, they're like, she didn't believe in God, like, it's not even, like, nominal Christianity, like, their parents had no had no connection to that at all and seemed to like specifically disbelieve. But I do feel like for me, the, the isolation that obviously the farm is isolated, but we've, we see very little, uh, I'll say real actual people, um, in this film outside of the family. And for me, it feels believable. I mean, because it's, it's rural, but also because they're not religious. They aren't connected to community. You know, the, the one, really central way um especially in a rural place is to probably get connected to the local church go to the hangouts this and that no one's coming to visit them they're not religious like those things make perfect sense to me in my mind they kind of go hand in hand right the idea that they've been just their own unit this entire time yeah the fact that they weren't religious is is like kind of secondary to like well it's interesting in the beginning of the movie because okay one thing that I am a huge sucker for in a movie is a hymn as a motif. Oh, and yeah. This one has such a good one. And when you first hear it, because well, you first hear it in the very, very beginning of the movie, the mom is sort of ambiently singing it to herself a lot. And, and you can see the son react to it when she's kind of like absently singing it in the kitchen. She's singing what a friend we have in Jesus. And... And yeah, it seems to, he he has a reaction to it. And it's like, yeah, I think it's like, why is my mom singing a song about Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and interestingly, it's only ever like three lines of the... Yeah, of she, the, she doesn't know the rest of the song. Yeah, I don't know if she does. Or like, she seems to also kind of get interrupted. I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah. We just really only hear um, the three lines. And in fact, they're not even correct they're not correct no so they're they're real but they're not in order like if you're actually singing yes. the song d- deep christian roots here uh <laughs> excuse me that is not where that song that is not where that refrain goes it goes over this here is, 
This is also funny because at one point a priest shows up, a a Catholic ostensibly priest shows up, and he's like, "Oh, I'd been visiting," and 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 the funny thing about that is that like, what a friend we have in Jesus is a pretty fucking <laughs> Protestant hymn. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think the Catholics are really singing that one. Um, <laughs> and I I think. I, you know, and I don't think any of these things, I guess I don't know if they were intentional, but they feel good. Like, I'm yeah. saying, like, this is wrong and this is that. But, like, in a way that is actually, especially if you have familiarity with, with religion, it puts you off. Like, there's something off and wrong, even if you're yes. not, like, cognitively, like, this is off and wrong. You know, yeah. like, which I love. I love those sort of, I feel like this movie is, like, its strengths are in those subtle things. Um, I really wish we didn't have some of the pieces that kind of the jump scares, essentially. Yeah, they're um, not very good. That deeply weakens the film for me and, um, and undermines, I think, what, what he's trying to do. And I don't know. They're just it, not, they're not super scary. The it effect... doesn't, it also doesn't seem like him. Like it, it this is, true. this doesn't seem like Brian Bertino as far as like a move that he would do. And I wonder, that like. That is very true. I, I wonder doing interviews i'm like are you mad about something and like it sounds legitimate if it's this you know because oh my god brian bertino if you have criticisms of how this space out, we would love to hear it save space a podcast we published well you know only 200 people or so listen if we're yeah lucky, exactly i was so. gonna say like it's it's actually a pretty it's pretty contained you know it is a safe space so anyways i i yeah um literally it's like not many people listen to it <laughs> um thanks thank you faithful listeners love you um Grim. the real ones out there so so there's jump scares in this and um yeah they're they're have they have limited effect first of all and, and, and they're also like not they don't nothing looks very original about that which is a bummer because uh, this movie uh, literally looks great Yes, and then and sounds great. Someone the has sound. the whites of their eyes, and you're like, "No." Yeah, we're like, "Oh, are we? Is this the nun?" Um, yeah. There's, there's some moments that feel like, "Is this it?" Follows, which I I can't even like knock off points for because like every movie since it follows has wanted to be it follows. Yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, Some sometimes way. you sometimes you have those watershed movies, and then everyone tries to copy them. They all want to be her. Like, Babadook was one of those. I was just talking to someone about that. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm sick of the metaphor movies. I don't like them. And she was like, well, Babadook. And I'm like, okay, it did it very well. And then everyone That's, tried yeah. to copy it. That doesn't mean that we needed a thousand more of them. No. But that's fine. No, I loved I loved the move to make them not religious. And I love, he has such this, in, like, Brian Bertino, at least... I've only seen Strangers, Strangers Pray at Night in this one, so it's not like I'm an expert on this man and his work. But, like, I love, I found a quote from him when he was talking about, again, The Strangers, because he's not speaking about this movie. But I feel like it really works for this one, too. He says, it was one of the things that I felt most strongly about from the day I wrote the script. I would rather not find out that the house was built over an Indian burial ground or that 10 years ago James had run over somebody's dad. I don't want to have an excuse so that people can feel safe or that it would never happen to them. And yeah, okay. Yes. This feels like a central maybe not a theme, but sort of like a guiding principle. Um because 
the fact that that you know we cannot really at least culturally we cannot extricate the idea of demons and possession from from religion you know <laughs> so it's like very set in that and i mean like you're right the hymn um there's a nurse that's really religious in this movie that that helps with the dad and it but these people are not religious at all so like why why is it happening to them and it's like that same because you were home that the strangers has because you were home like i love that <laughs> man has like a running thesis i love it i think it's such a um I mean, it's incredible nihilism, essentially. Like, it's just yes. so dark. So dark and so wicked. Um, <laughs> Have you heard of this movie that is so dark and so <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. But it's so compelling to have someone who sort of wants to look at these things and, and, yeah. and make the statement, and then there's nothing else. Like, there is no grand, grand sweeping statement beyond that. It's disturbing. Yeah, I honestly, like, this film has gotten some criticism about kind of being thin in yeah. its characterizations and, like, the, the kind of, like, meat of the storytelling. But I honestly feel like that's part of what it was doing. Or, like, yeah, so is The Strangers. It's not that right. important that you know i mean and a lot of it is because like well both of those movies are about like kind of failures of connection in some way or they or they are like containing that in a way that stretches out to other things i mean so so part of what happens they they come to the brother and sister who are estranged from each other and estranged from their parents apparently come because their dad is dying and their mother kills herself I think the first night that they're there <laughs> and so. after, after kind of having thrown a fit and, and telling them that they shouldn't be there. And it's fucking, uh, they find her and it's not like a cut. I, I noticed that this time it wasn't like, Oh no, they see the body, the silhouette swinging and that's it. It's, um, no, no, no they I, linger I was, and have to cut her down. It's I was fucked. so struck by this scene, honestly, like, on, like really both times I watched it because you see, yeah, you see the sister notice her and then she runs off camera and it's because she's like letting the goats out of the pen so she can run into the barn and you then you see all of them jump over and outside mm -hmm. and uh and and then they come like rushing in and it's yeah it's it, honestly like there's so many beautiful shots and like really well composed scenes in this that are so like visually arresting and mm -hmm. that one is like huge and it's like something where yeah they're like frantically rushing to cut her down and it's i mean it's too late <laughs> yeah oh it's yeah it's far too late and, and uh, it's so it feels so even though this is like such kind of an understated movie and like these characters are very like stay beneath the surface it, it, it's something that feels really authentic right like if you were to see someone in that position especially that you loved like i think yeah like it's it, it feels natural that your thought would be like oh my god i need to get them down like just to completely revert like they're gonna be fine they're gonna be fine they're gonna be fine obviously mm -hmm. they're not but like that idea of like well we have to make this happen you know <laughs> right right and, and it's completely and futile and it feels like that is that characterizes a lot of their relationship with their parents where they're kind mm -hmm. of showing up 
a little too late and with not enough feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really interesting. I mean, there's there's also just like a lot of little details. So a lot of this just deals with kind of the senselessness of what's happening. There's this like, a, and there's like some very like, kind of poignant moments or, or maybe not even poignant. I don't even know exactly what like word I'm looking for. There's, yeah. there's a moment where she finds blood under the, like the, the sink stopper. And it's like because their because their mom like cut off her fingers for some reason. I love reason. that part. I love that part. Oh, that part is so nasty. So nasty, dude. And that's a great part, right? That's not a jump scare, even though it kind of does jump because it's doing these jump cuts. And then right. she's been cutting things before, and you're kind of like, I don't know why we're looking at this. This can't be good. Um, yeah, you're you're watching her cut those carrots too closely. And then she does it, but that's really well done. And then she keeps like frantically dicing the fingers, which is just really fucking crazy. It hurts. I know. I felt like I, I, I've seen the criticism about it being sparse. Like I, I hear what, what people say when they're like, this isn't like hitting it out of the park or whatever. I think first of all, it's, it's really hard to live up to like when you, when first on the scene, you do the, the fucking strangers, right? Which is just mm. kind of top tier shit you know it's, what i mean it's the classic horror film it's the classic and it came the out in the mid aughts but it's, it's already classic yeah i was like excellent um really really well received i mean crazily like he had not directed a movie i think i think he was like he literally just kind of fell into it he had written it and they couldn't get someone else to direct it and he's like all right fuck it i'll do it okay i'll do it which is like which awesome. is crazy because he's a, obviously a brilliant director yeah i know that's the thing like he clearly has that talent too um so i think that having this as a follow-up is like okay well if you're looking for the strangers like this certainly isn't it but it's hard to have a film that good all the time first of all and i feel like what like what's in this movie like the bones and like what's going on like is still really strong and still really interesting like but i do feel like an asshole being like if people are like well that's sparse i'm like okay well it's, it's intended to be that way like i feel a little bit like an asshole but that's kind of true i'm like it is supposed to be sparse maybe yeah i guess I on think- paper it's just not as good a film if you really want to be like that but like that for me feels like a really unfortunate way to be engaging with this movie yeah, because I mean, like to to criticize, I've I've like really been working on this. I think in my life is to like just not criticize something for like what it isn't, because mm-hmm. yeah, this could have had a more like fleshed out family dynamics and been more of a family drama. And sure, like I definitely thought at one point that like they've been talking about the dad this entire time, and we don't know anything about him mm-hmm. besides that. Yeah, he was a goat farmer, and that. <laughs> and that they haven't talked to him in a long time and that he his his whole thing was that he wanted to just keep going that's all mm-hmm. we know about him and we don't know anything about like what he was actually like we don't know anything about you know they talk about like in the end um the louise the sister um who's played by Marin ireland who just by the way is really really good so good and- the performances are all really good in this. Um she's really really good. Sheila is like telling him that she loves him and it feels like do you? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> like, like we don't know anything about her relationship with him in any kind of personal way. And like, I mean, yeah, I think that that 
is intentional. And I also feel like it's, yeah. yeah, theoretically, this could have been a different movie where it didn't do that. Yeah, right. But also, I think I think it is intentional. And for me, it feels like a powerful move to have it because I feel like what's happening there. I mean, when I first saw this movie, this movie really fucked me up because like, even though it's not at all, I don't, my parents don't have a rural farm in Texas. Like, like my mom has early onset Alzheimer's. And so like, I immediately understood this relationship from um, the kid to the parents of like this too little, too late, unable to have emotions, constant guilt, right? Like just like this right. feeling of that's like, that's like, like, I can't connect to, I can't connect because it is. Well, and I refuse, I won't right. connect because it's a safety mechanism. And I feel like there's that too, where it's like, we don't get any of that interiority because they don't allow it. They'll never allow you to have it or see it. And they don't allow themselves to experience it. And that feels, I mean, maybe it's just, again, because of personal experience, but like that immediately connected for me as feeling really real. And I, I love that. Like I'm, that feels so authentic. And I mean, we get slices of these characters in their lives, right? Like we know the brother has a family. He's clearly the one with his life together. The sister references yeah. she doesn't have a job that she had, right? She says she doesn't have a job anymore. Yeah, all we know about else. her is he says, like, are you still at the post office? And she's like, not <laughs> anymore. We have no idea what happened. Um, but she's obviously, like, kind of the fuck up. I think feels the guiltiest. And I think also feels like, she, like it's kind of false to her, right? Like, her brother has the life and she doesn't. So she's the one that has to pick up the pieces here. Right. And she's not going to do a good job of it. And she knows right. that too, <laughs> you know? So it's just right. like complete inevitability. Uh, you know, even the scene too, where she goes, cause the mother creepily has these mannequins cause she like sews and shit. And yeah. we see what, like, what looks like a <gasps> wedding dress. Yeah. Um, And it has Louise's name. Like there's a little tag on it. Um, yes. And it's clear that maybe either she was going to be married at one point or her mother had some expectations yeah, of marriage. I was, that just I was so fascinated by that scene on yes. rewatching it right, right now. Yeah. I, I just watched it like just now, <laughs> but it, it, that was really interesting to me. And, and I was thinking about this, that like, I, I feel like it's a pretty common experience for people who are, I think they're probably in their thirties, right. Mm-hmm. To, look at your parents and kind of be like, do you know me at all? Do I know you at all? <laughs> and it is something that like, you don't, you see that she has a reaction to seeing the, this wedding dress mm-hmm. that her mom was sewing for her that has her name on it. But I don't think you can really tell what her reaction is. Like, yeah, no. was this like a collapsed relationship that her mom was had some designs on was she at one point engaged or did her mom just think oh she's gonna get married one day i'm gonna make a wedding dress right it could be (laughs) all of those things yeah yeah and we don't get to know and that's i love that the film is like completely keeps you at arm's length the whole time like it just kind of refuses to let you in and it's i think that can be a frustrating experience but for me i really enjoy that experience (laughs) it just adds it adds to kind of the general emptiness Mm -hmm. there's something that really struck me this time the nurse who is taking care of their dad says that she likes to you know sometimes she's been with patients when they died and she was the only one there and she says that she doesn't like the idea of someone 
dying without anyone there. She doesn't think that you should be alone. And she says a soul needs love to keep it safe. Mm -hmm. And she's talking to the brother, Michael, um, who's played by Michael Abbott Jr., who's also really good. A lot of people talk about Marin Ireland. I think he's also really good. And I think they have good chemistry, like as siblings. Yeah. In a way that is like weird in particular because they seem like they don't necessarily like each other or right like each other that well, but they, they do feel like siblings. Yeah. Which I thought was really great. She's talking to him and he says like, well, I hope you're right. And this is like so interesting because I feel like there's a bunch of interpretations of this potentially. And mm-hmm. one is that that there's not love, <laughs> that the soul <laughs> needs love to keep it safe, and that in this family there's not love. <laughs> and there's not love for each other, and that, that they can say I love you and they can feel guilt and obligation, but that that's all there is, and that mm-hmm. ultimately that's what your soul needs to keep it safe and there isn't any. But there's another terp- interpretation I think is that, that, that there is love, that they do love each other in some way. And that they mean it when they say that, but it's not enough and it doesn't help. It's it doesn't that matter. She's not right. A soul does not actually need love. There's actually no saving it. Um, yeah, right. And both are pretty fucked up. Like Both, both are, are really fucked, fucked up, up. I actually can't tell which one is worse. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I think that's such an interesting point in the movie because it has such weight, but then in a, in a, like an esoteric kind of way and in a way that I do wish was not fleshed out more, but kind of, I don't know, like a little more obvious, I guess, because it felt like it was just kind of dropped there. Maybe it was the edit that was weird for me, but it was like, oh, okay. And then that's kind of it. I'm like, okay, so you're just kind of leaving us with that. Like, I'm not really sure how to contextualize um, that moment that is clearly billed as pretty important, right? Like that in a film that has very little dialogue, very sparse. Um, so every line I feel like very much counts. And then, yeah, I, I do love that moment, but I it, I, I want to know. Yeah, I want to know more about that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's fucked either way you read it. <laughs> yeah. And in general, we kind of talked about there being like disparate sort of chunks of religious thinking in this, which is interesting mm-hmm. that like, I mean, yeah, there's a Catholic priest who shows up. Honestly, that is so scary to Bro, me on the fucking... Scary. Also, when he shows so up scary. at like three in the morning. Yes. I hate him. And it's like, oh! come outside. There's something mm-hmm. about, like, I mean, and that feels so like fable-ish. Like, yes. A guy showing up outside your house who looks like someone you know at three in the morning being like, just come outside. Just come outside. Come on. Come outside. Ew. <laughs> yes. Scary. He's very good at like the person showing up at the door. And yeah. you're going to ruin your, it's going to ruin your life. Like Brian Bertino is like the king of that. It's fucking, he loves, because he loves to ask this question. I feel like there's a lot of like central questions of like filmmakers that like kind of run through all their movies. And uh-huh. like, what if someone showed up at your door and then ruined your life? <laughs> well, because it happens multiple times in this movie too, because we have um, the daughter of, what's his name? Charlie, the, Charlie. Um, the like hired help. Charlie, um, that scene is actually, so... It, it's not good <laughs> scene sure. where he sees Louise, but it is scary. It's it's so I like when she's like weirdly whispering or whatever, but it's all it's a bummer in a not a good way, like not in a good yeah. way. It's like no, yeah, it's like why? A, uh, I wish this had been done better. I wish that it just feels like it would be better to have 
a little more cohesion in like the themes that are happening here, but a little less in the showing me shit that has to do with this demon. Like if I just heard from his daughter or granddaughter who shows up saying he killed himself, that's enough for me. Thank you. You know, I don't need any other thing. I don't need to see the demon faking to be Louise in like a nightgown. It's just perplexing. It is weird. And it also, the thing that is scary to me about that scene is that he seems to know that it's not really her and that it's something else. That seems really Right. It is creepy, but it's also like confusing because it's like, well, then he kills himself and it's like, okay, but you knew it wasn't her. And it's like, she's saying something like, you did this to me as she was like slitting her throat. And it's like, uh it's also yeah like no one sense. in this movie actually cares about each other that much so like yeah why does he like does that affect him why would it, it so that that's a weakness in the film for me <laughs> like, how long has it been since he's seen her but if i can just sort of uh i don't need to focus on that right like it, it's right i think the the overall film is 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 really compelling in a way where you're just like random shit happens and it's all bad and you're you're all fucked the end right. So anyway, his daughter shows up at the door, mm-hmm. like you were saying, and that scene is fucking scary. That scene is fucking scary. Because she's, oh, yeah, no, he just, showing up at the door, he can really do that. That's like his showing whole Showing up at the door is really it for him, and it's because you're home. <laughs> oh, terrible. Yeah, just like, can you smell him? <laughs> oh, it's awful and then she's there and you're just like what the fuck so i love because this film will fuck with your sense of reality in a sometimes really compelling ways like that because i'm like okay it's not her i don't think or is it her is she like possessed but then the priest later like louise calls the number that the priest gave her and he's in chicago and he's never been to texas and like in fact he has a daughter who's also named Louise, but who killed herself. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Like, your whole sense of reality is, like, kind of very ripped away from you. Yeah, and this is part of the, like, kind of isolation where it's like, and and was that real? Because that's over the phone. And they hear all kinds of shit over the phone. I don't know. I have no idea, like, what is real except that this whole family was ruined. <laughs> that's yeah. the only reality there. Right. Which feels yeah, also exactly. intentional. Right? It's like, the details don't matter and honestly like having sort of like when you have some sort of like family catastrophe it can kind of feel like that where it's like well all this shit is happening it's all terrible and if you if you force me to like lay out the the trajectory of events my plot will also be sparse (laughs) and not compelling but Mm -hmm. it sucks and that's how i feel like this movie is does such a good job of conveying that right there's a lot of like pain that that is shallow but like all-consuming there's there's also like something about both these movies where there's just like like selfishness and like self-centeredness and individualisticness Mm -hmm. that dooms everyone but they can't stop doing it well and in in this one it is kind of i think that the siblings feel or at least this Louise really feels like she should have talked. She says we, we should have talked to her, to the mom, as if like, I don't know, that would have helped. And right. It's like, no, there, there, there's very much a like, you could have done that, but it wouldn't have helped. Yeah. But you, now you're going to feel bad that you didn't for your whole life. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
yeah they they talk about this like she says like we should have talked to her and he says yeah we didn't (laughs) and there's also like during i think that same conversation he's like it's not going to make sense and when she's reading the diary of the mom yeah, and I, I I love it because you're right. We see such sort of different perspectives, which which is sort of what comes out. Like when, when again, like if you're like dealing with sort of a family catastrophe or something like that, where it's like, well, I'm dealing with it, with it in this way and you're dealing with it in this way that is not only not the way I would do it, but is like really fucking me up, you know? And he doesn't right. want to deal with her guilt and he has his own family. He's like, fuck it. I'm going back to my to my wife and kids because that's not a fucked up thing yet. That's not right. fucked up. That's good. Man, and that, that scene where they're talking on the phone about it. My God, dude, yeah. Thing, like, I can't believe you did this. And, like, that. that is, like, so real in a just, yeah, mundane family drama way. Right. Like, he just fucking ghosts. He leaves. He just leaves. And really, like, maybe she would, too, but she just doesn't have anything to go to. Right. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Depressing, but I love it. Oh, yeah. And good good soundtrack, for sure. Man, very just... weird score. Very weird score. Very strange. And lots of coyotes howling and, and wind howling. Lots of howling. Lots happening. of howling. The, wo- the wolf at the door. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. The wolf. <laughs> it, re- it reminded me, there's like that line about what, like, the wolf doesn't care if you believe he's a wolf. Not when he finds you in the woods alone or like something like that. From um the second movie. Wait. From this movie. Yeah, from this movie. And it reminded me. You're of, right. It actually reminded me of like the um, that Emily Carroll comic that's like <laughs> the wolf only needs enough luck to find you once. Yes. Yes. I, I think about... Uh... You know, they say that it's a lion, but I always think of it as a wolf that the um the devil like walks around like a like a roaring lion seeking what he Ooh. may devour. And I, I was thinking about that when I was watching this movie, like Biblical. I I was thinking about just sort of that because it feels very like that's the devil. Like and that's the thing, it's yeah. unclear. I think the mom refers to it in her diary as as the devil, is that correct? She does say the devil. But we don't know. I mean, she doesn't know. No, we don't know. There's no, there's no like hereditary lore here. This is not like Lord Paymon or whatever. There's just no some vague evil and there's no Pazuzu. No, and in the face of which, what a friend we have in Jesus feels so like mocking. <laughs> yeah, it's such a cheesy hymn. It's such a that's such a cloying him <laughs> and to say like oh yeah what take it to the lord in prayer um <laughs> that's like obviously that doesn't work there's nothing you yeah. can do this um like this woman had all these crosses in her pocket and they were like given to her theoretically by the demon by this or by this like vague evil whatever the entity is stalking them I think, yeah, and I mean, we see, we hear her sing it once or twice, like, and it's actually her while she's alive, but then w- most of when we hear this hymn, it is, it is extremely mocking because it's whatever this entity is, is just right. making that happen. Like, <laughs> she's dead. So, 
I, I love that. Wish we wouldn't see her floating in the middle of the night with her eyes all white, though. You oh, know, like, shit yeah. like that was really rough. Or, like, just walking around naked. Like, there's some, there's, like, a yeah. tweet that, like, it's specifically talks, it was specifically calling out, like, Ty West and Ari Aster and, like, they should just make a movie that's, like, about, like, naked old people. Scared. <laughs> <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan already did that. No, I don't know. That is so true. That is so true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it it makes things a bummer for me a little bit to be like, oh, isn't it scary if an old person is naked? <laughs> I, mean, I guess so. I mean, I think you if don't. I saw anyone in the middle of the night outside when I was in a farmhouse, if I saw them naked, I'd be concerned. It would be frightening. Uh, it would be weird. It would be weird. Definitely weird to see a person just naked in the world, but yeah, um, it just they those moments in the movie feel like it's not this movie. Like something what was going on. I don't know. One of the producers was like, "You gotta have some jump scares, my dude," and he's you like, "Put some naked old people in there, man." I gotta pay my bills, so here we go. <laughs> Strip. You know what I mean? Like maybe yeah. that's that seems like a scenario <laughs> that happened. Damn. All right, well, Brian Bertino, tell us about it. <laughs> well, the tell-all exclusive. Come on the pod. We'll tell your story. <laughs> yes. I would love to talk to him, though. I really want to talk to him about his personal... Like, what What I really want to talk to him about, um, you know, filming dirt aside, if there is any, I, I just want to talk to him about religion. So um, true. I'm fascinated by... I just want to know... I want to know about him, okay? I want to know about this dude and his experience with the religion because this film is absolutely pointedly saying something and i'm not quite sure what but i find it very compelling no one thing that that i one thing that i sort of like and one thing that i and and that i also find kind of frustrating about this movie is just that it feels like it's trying to say something and it feels Mm -hmm. like it's invoking all of these things Mm -hmm. including you know, just, yeah, like, like the despair of living in this isolated kind of rural place. But I don't, I just like, I can't quite figure out what it's trying to do. And, and that's mm-hmm. cool because there's a lot of things that I can kind of project onto it. Right. And, and there's a lot of stuff that, that makes sense to me that, that I can tell that it is doing, but there's also just some themes I feel like just, a little bit outside of what I can grab onto and figure out. And that is both really interesting and also kind of frustrating. So I think that kind of gets to it. And I think that's probably where a lot of people who, who didn't have a good time with this movie, like would probably agree with you on that. You know, I, I do like, I like this movie because of what, what it's trying to do, or at least, yeah, I don't know. I think being able to project things onto it is, is nice too. I love to project. Well, should we talk about the next one? Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on to a new release, When Evil Lurks, written and directed by Damien Rugna. And the summary is Landlords, Familial Guilt, and a Cunty Demon. There's always a Cunty Demon. They will never leave you alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're still living in rural landscape, but we're in Argentina now. We are now in Argentina Argentine horror, really, like, really vibing on that lately, personally. Really nasty, really bleak. It's, you know, again, like, weird family dynamics that we find out, right? Because this is these brothers living alone. Yeah, we have we have brothers, we have the, the one brother's family, and we have their mom. 
Mm-hmm. And they are they are living together. I guess sort of one of them seems to be a little bit, I, I guess just a little bit aimless. He seems to have not ever really like we kind of have a similar sibling dynamic where we're yeah. kind of more. I guess you could probably describe Jaime as a little more free spirited than you could probably describe Louise. Louise just seems a little bit of a mess. Yeah, I think with Jaime, it's like kind of intentional. Like he's yeah. he's just living the bachelor life and, and seemingly seems to like it. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he's like unhappy or anything. But whereas the other brother is the one that's clearly plagued. Yeah, <laughs> seems yes. very depressed. Okay, yeah, Pedro has a family, but he is estranged from them. Like an interesting dynamic. We also don't find out that much about them. But we do know they roll up to this. They find a body in the woods. So so when I saw this, um, we were the only ones in the theater, which was great. <laughs> That's awesome. You know what? No, we weren't. But it was pretty sparse. It was pretty sparse. Yeah. For, was, for when I saw it. Yeah. I thought we were going to get like rowdier, but it was mostly just like kind of gasping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some of the stuff that happened. Yeah, so they they find a body. They find like a mutilated body in the woods. And then they go to the house that is distant, like kind of remote from the rest of the town. There's a lot of isolation in this one, too. A very rural setting. And they find that this part of a member of this family who's living out in the woods um, is possessed. They call him a rotten. I love that. A rotten. Mm hmm. And he is, I mean, physically disgusting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is, um, like, like it seems like literally rotting away. A lot of pus. A lot of pus. A lot Just of fluids. A lot, like, a lot of, there's a lot of squishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to describe this movie as being, there's a lot of squishing in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and they had called, so the body in the woods was a person it was a cleaner a person whose job it is to come and kill a possessed person so that they can't so the demon possessing them can't be born or possess anyone else like a ritualistic sort of yeah specialized killing yes but someone has killed the cleaner en route and so there's just the rotten hanging out this is such a like this movie has such a like clear mythology to it that's so yeah. wonderful. Like this, this post, you know, early on in the film, the woman talks about praying and um, Pedro like angrily tells her, like angrily snaps at her. The church is dead. The church is dead, lady. Like that's what he says. Yeah. Um. And, and. Yeah. There's like world building here. That's really subtle. Yes. Yes. And it feels, I love that because then it feels very, Mm, timeless kind of in the way like it follows feels right where you're like i don't know what year this is set in and it's like obscured on purpose this feels like that too because i mean they still drive cars and this and that it's not like sci-fi but you know when you first hear that or at least when i first heard that i was like oh is he like he hates religion or something but no no no, he truly means it like there are not churches anymore people do not believe in any sort of god um according to this the mythology of this film um that's why it's not a priest. It's a cleaner. Like, it's a bureaucratic right. government job. Because after that, he goes down to the police station and is like, hey, why the fuck isn't this fixed? 
if you knew about it a year ago because she says that she told you a year ago and y'all haven't done fucking shit about it, you know? So it's just suddenly the bureaucracy of just a normal ass secular government. This is so fucking interesting. Yes. They're just like, well, that's not happening here. It's fine. Well, and they don't want it to. It's not your business. Fuck off. They can't acknowledge it because to acknowledge it would essentially ruin the town, right? No one would come there. Um, like, like it would ruin the town. Yeah, you so, clearly get the sense that this thing is some kind of ticking time bomb. Yes. Well, because if, I think if people find out, too, like, they're not going to move there. They're going to want to be away. Like, yeah, and we don't know anything about it. I'm like, at this point, we've kind of just heard the word rotten. And we're like, yeah, he looks bad. But, like, what does this mean? You know? <laughs> like, it's, it's clearly fucked up. It's clearly going to be catastrophic. Also, by the way, they're talking about it. Um, but it's also, you just, yeah, it's just interesting, like, the idea that, like, everyone knows that this is hugely catastrophic and, right. and a massive problem, but everybody is, everyone's reaction is denial in some it, way. It feels so, and I don't know if this is intentional or not, but, um, and it's in a way that's really fresh. It's not, like, tired and annoying to me, because I didn't really think about it until now. Um, maybe because it's just kind of obvious, but it feels very much like a film, like, that is, like, ideologically, like, born out of a global pandemic right oh yeah yeah, i definitely thought about that but not in an insufferable way like i think they just kind of do it and it feels like this reality and i i think this idea of like removing religion from it i don't know gives sort of like a credence and reality to this idea of possession and then also like a sense of inevitability too oh yeah i have you seen his other his earlier film um terrified i have not I finally watched it this uh, Halloween that was season. Another, I think that was another Shudder-produced film, though, right? I can't remember. I, it's on Shudder, for sure. It's so good. <laughs> it is so good. So, like, that one similarly feels... This this filmmaker is, like, so good at setting a world that is, like, kind of adjacent to ours in a way that's unsettling. Because it still feels like ours, but there's, like, some weird mythology of some terrible thing. He's very good at that because Terrified does the same thing um, oh, with something I different. It's, that. Yeah, it's it's totally different. So, like, I just feel like the creativity of this guy's mind is just wonderful. Like, <laughs> he he loves to, like, play in a space, I think. Um, yeah, and it is, like, I mean, it's not, it, it feels like, yeah, something that, yeah, you're right. Like, in, informed, I think, by a pandemic in that, like, things have changed obviously but they haven't changed so much that you can't just pretend like nothing has changed where they are in the country there's something where they bring up cities sometimes and they're like well you see rotten in the cities but you don't see them here right they don't not not in our town or whatever doesn't happen here so like having the isolation it's it's funny to me because these films are like fun like there are a lot of similarities but they're also fun foils because with uh, the dark and the wicked it's really it's it's rural but they're they're isolated from even a rural community which you know must exist and in this film that is the opposite it's about what it's going to do the, to the community and like these brothers and this family in particular but also the repercussions for this local area and what's going to happen because they're still a part of the community even though pedro is like a bad apple element of the community as we find out <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, what to, this is I don't so, know how this to call is so it. interesting because yeah, we don't get to see that many people 
but mm-hmm. we do we mostly see everything through Pedro's perspective as he kind of goes around and no one fucking likes this guy and you can no. imagine why because he kind of sucks <laughs> and every I, I like so I, I feel like I've seen some criticisms of this that like one thing that happens towards the end is out of character for him and I agree with that a little bit but I also am like this movie is a lot about everyone making the worst possible decision mm-hmm. that like seals their fate <laughs> um there's a whole series of that yeah just a yeah. whole fucking snowball effect and I mean in the beginning it's their neighbor who the brothers go and see to, or maybe just their friend, their shitty friend who is like, we'll just drive him out to, we'll drive him far away and dump him the rotten. And so he won't mess up our town. And so they do Which that. We all know is a bad idea. If you've seen any yeah, horror movie, you know, every, they, they know, they, they know, know it's a bad too. Idea. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And they just get swept up in it. And then, you know, dude continues to, man, the scene with, okay, so the scene with the goat, there's more goats in this. This is my favorite scene. This is my favorite God. scene in the movie. This is it's the best so one for me. It's so scary. It's so fucking good. And it's like perfect. It's just like a perfect thing by itself. What is even wrong with that goat? Nothing. No, you can't see if there's, you can't see that there's something wrong with the goat. This is the thing that's fucking crazy because like this guy... His wife is pregnant and she's the one that calls him out and she points to this goat because something has happened or something. It's bizarre. It's such a bizarre and disturbing scene because you're like, this looks like a normal ass goat, bro. He doesn't have like red eyes or anything. He's in the midst of other goats, but he points to him too, as if he immediately calls what's going on. They recognize something in this goat. And it's scary because you don't know what you don't know what, and this is kind of part of the like the oh. world building. I think that is like, what is it that they're recognizing that they know that you don't know that are 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 they panicking? Well, and we know they're right because when he shoots his shotgun into the air, all of the goats except that one bolt. Yeah, that one does not even flinch. Like it is fucked, <laughs> you know. Like it's not like in his head or whatever. Right. But and like and like yeah, they're right. And then they also fuck it all up. Yes, right. Being right is not enough, right? Like, or knowing what to do or what not to do. You're still going to get fucked. Yeah, it's also funny, like, that they know what to do and what not to do. And everyone just chooses what not to do. Well, that's true because that happens later, too, when they... I mean, we're kind of skipping this other completely wild section of... Everyone just, a lot of dying. People just die because this demon thing keeps moving around. And there's just, it feels like there's like an inevitability about it where like you can be careful and everyone tries to be careful. Like, I mean, yeah, this wild section of the movie. (laughs) God, I don't even know how to talk about this part like that I knew was going to happen. And I was like staring at it and being like, oh God, when is this going to (laughs) happen? So good. I don't even know if I want to tell about that specific thing because of how yeah, fucking... this is really like truly if you haven't seen this movie and you're going to listen to us talk about it, like if you think that you might want to yeah. watch the movie, you should watch it. It is on Shutter. Like, pause this and go. Yeah. It's funny. That part is fucking funny, dude. This movie has a lot of humor in it, which is something I love. <laughs> yeah, well, especially a film that can have a lot of humor about um, kids getting mauled. <laughs> 
Oh God. You got to respect that. You know, that, that like level of catharsis is like, yeah, you don't know whether you want to like scream or laugh kind of. (laughs) Um, Yes. My girlfriend that I saw this with brought up sadness, which is, I think also one for one thing, a pandemic movie for sure. Mm -hmm. Like more overtly than this one. And also one that is both horrifying and really funny. Yeah, but when they go through all this bullshit, this crazy shit, and then they finally go to this person's house that the younger brother, Jaime, like, knows, she gives them a bunch of rules. You know, she she's sort of an expert on this. She has been a cleaner, right? She knows how to do it. And she gives them, like, all these rules that, like, yeah, no one gives a fuck about. No one ever fucking falls. She's not even following it, because why is she letting them in? I wouldn't. I say fuck off. Right. She is like she's not following it. Right. She is the supposed expert. Is still having a hard time following her own rules. Um, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is their mom being in the car with Pedro's kids, and she's explaining to him the ways that you can give this demon more power and. And she's like, oh, yeah, you can't, you know, you, you're not supposed to use firearms and you can't say their name. And I can't remember like what the I can't remember like what the rest of them are. But she says, like, you're not supposed to call them by name. And the and the kid is like, well, what's its name? And she's like, oh, there's lots of names. And she's just starts naming. Them. It's like, what are you doing? What's happening? And it's kind of something where like everyone understands that this is real. This is a concrete part of everyone's reality. But at the same time, they can't quite grasp that it might be really happening to them. I guess so. I guess it's sort of like a... It is sort of, yeah, an inability to believe that that it could happen to them, right? Which kind of feels a little similar to The Dark and the Wicked. Because, like, they stay in the farmhouse. Right. Like, really far past when they should. But I think there's sort of this, like, ambivalence toward it because it's like you know, we're, we're not religious. We don't believe in this shit, you know? And like with right. this, it almost feels like having the world isn't religious, you know, largely. Right. I guess the church is dead. The church is dead. And like, it almost feels like that doesn't help this because it, there's almost like, yeah, a lack of belief in it. <laughs> like you, it's like the, it's like, there's no belief now. Like you killed the belief of the world too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And there's no, there, there, this is once again like a movie where there seems to be no genuine love or affection that is expressed. No. They are Pedro and Jaime are saving their families and finding these people. You know, Jaime finds this woman who he obviously was once involved with romantically, and 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 there just doesn't seem to be any like genuine caring really. Pedro has an autistic, like a nonverbal autistic son who he just seems nothing but like frustrated with and and guilty about at all times. Well, and his very going to to save his family is what gets that family that he's estranged from killed. Yes. (laughs) It's all very selfish. Like you were saying, he brings it upon them. If there is a love, it is it is a selfish one. And in fact, right. like, you know, when you find out why he's been estranged, it's because he, you know, is fucked up and depressed and he tried to kill the kids with him, you know, like he wanted them right. all to die, which is 
you know, really dark, really sad, but also, yeah, like, ultimately, like, kind of selfish, you know, to be oh, like, yeah, oh, very selfish. Children. Yeah, yeah and, and that he thinks that, and that he thinks that he is then going to take them and save them. Right. I'll be safer with him. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, he clearly does feel some, he has some conflicted feeling about that, I think, right? And And in fact, like, the demon calls him out on it like is like you cannot take care of these kids you you wanted them to die like you wanted all of you to die and and i mean like on a basic level he's just like a deadbeat dad like he doesn't know his kids he doesn't no he's not around his kids no 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 well and i think it's such a compelling it's it's an interesting choice to have this you know he's essentially the main character and you know, we don't find out till later, but just sort of his will to live is very suspect, you know, like given that knowledge. And so to find a character like this in the midst of a crisis that could lead to um, or help perpetuate societal collapse. Right. It's, it's a great choice because it's like, yeah, why does like, does this dude care? And I feel like he's kind of trying to figure that out. And this is interesting because that is like the impulse that like he wants to like take his family with him or the like family annihilation or whatever thing that happens with them. Mm-hmm. I kind of forgot about that. It's like, yeah, like he sees his kids as his property, obviously, you know, the yeah. idea that like he would just he would like kill them with him as like a as as like something that like, yeah, he doesn't see them as their own people. Mm-hmm. He sees it as an extension of himself. And like, yeah, that that makes sense in terms of like how he endangers them. And his own mother. And yeah. his brother. All of them. <laughs> he just really ropes them all in. Yeah, there is. And yeah, I mean, like, nearly every member of his family meets a grisly death. Yeah, it's funny because this film, like, has those sort of implications that they reference of it becoming a bigger problem, right? Because the whole thing is, hey, we have to kill this one rotten because otherwise if we don't, when he gets killed like a normal non-cleaner way like it's gonna like have this demon ascend like it's like the birth of this bad demon and i I think it's unclear whether i mean presumably other of these demons have been birthed right like that's the whole thing yeah otherwise you wouldn't know how it happens but the whole like this this film for me is at its best when i'm not i don't need that shit i don't need the shit about a demon and it being a pot like for me, it's at its best when I'm not focusing on the the macro level like that. Like, I, I kind of want less of those trappings almost. Do you, you know what I mean? Like, right. I love the establishment of the world, but, like, the whole, like, well, this whole thing... I don't know. It just gets a little too close to, like, Marvel territory for me. Do you know what I'm saying? Because, <laughs> like, when the... Literally, I when I watched it with Brian, we were joking... Um, because you know at the end like spoilers but like nothing good happens and like the demon does ascend but we're like oh play the marvel music behind this as he walks off into the distance you know like as a joke we were joking but there is something like kind of similar right it's like this ascendancy of this great evil i like this movie best when it's in those the family moments i feel like it's strongest then which Um, is i think how it ends that he's just lost everything and knows that it's entirely his fault. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's never, and there's not gonna, you know, there's no hope that he's going to use that in some productive way. He just knows it. And I mean, like, ostensibly, you know what? I feel like in my mind, what's gonna happen after this is that they're just gonna, like, 
bomb the shit out of this town because it's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or because it's so rural, they're just like, fuck it, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, right, it's just cut off and it's just going to be like chaos out there. And it's going to cl- it's gonna come for like all of them eventually. Yeah, I, uh, I think this is a good one, man. This is a fucked up movie. This is a fucked up movie. There's multiple scenes where I thought, I can't believe they did that. I know! It's so brutal. I, I love how brutal it is. And not in like a, I don't know, sometimes people say that and they're like, I don't know, there was like blood on screen or whatever. Like, I mean, like the subject matter as well as the gore, right? It's beautifully married together in a way that feels like really smart and really fun. It's funny to have watched this after watching Terrified, though, because Terrified, like, starts at a breakneck speed. Like, Terrified is like, hey, we're, like, five minutes in and you already want to turn the movie off because you're freaked out and, like, nothing will slow down ever the rest of the movie. Wow, okay. Um, Great. This one is different, you know? It's it's very... um, Slower burn. Yeah, and not slow, but, like, it's paced out, right? Like, they're giving you these little breadcrumbs... um, you get a little bit of respite here and there. Yeah, I guess I guess you could call it respite, except again, you do know <laughs> that other fucked up shit right. w- will happen. Yeah, dude. It's it's also, though, this one I would say is fun. Whereas um, The Dark and the Wicked, there is no fun in that film. It's not it fun is. at all. It's just impending, crashing, yes. doom. Yeah, this one is, this one is fun. I had a great time. <laughs> yeah. I, I say this, you're going to watch it and think you had a great time or you're gonna understand what i mean entirely i don't know if there's any in between yeah i don't know well and the other like you know dark and the wicked is i we do not mean that in a negative way to say that movie is not fun <laughs> like i think it's you no, know i love a feel bad movie but it is a miserable film and this one has yeah that kind of wicked edge of humor to it so different yeah, vibes it's a little bit laughing at itself and it's laughing at us i think it's a fun like if you do if you do watch this as a double feature i think it's actually great to watch dark and the wicked first and then the pick me up yes this movie which is hilarious to call this movie a pick me up because it is very <laughs> fucked up <laughs> yeah you're gonna have to like there's a few it's like text me when you watch the scene but i'm excited because I, I kind of, you know, I think this movie has gotten a lot of attention. I don't think Terrified got as much attention, which is bizarre because it's a wildly good movie. Um, but hopefully it gets more attention now because this one has such a buzz. And I hope you can do more I am more going shit. to watch it. Yes. Okay. Let me know when you do. Um, I have heard that in, there is potentially a Terrified 2 in the works, which I would love. Um shit. But I think that was, I don't have anything confirmed on that, like as far as like if they move forward. Which speaking of film things, as of tomorrow or midnight tonight or whatever, SAG-AFTRA, strike is over, baby. Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wow. unions win. I don't know what the terms are. I'm not really sure what they agree to yet. I just know that the strike is going to be over, so. Wow, holy shit. Shout out. We're still back. Shout out to the to the SAGs and the WGAs. Yeah, holy shit. Love them. Well, yeah, here's to the rest of the industry getting what they need to get. But yeah, I'm excited to see what's next from this guy for sure. Love him. 
love what I've seen so far. Yeah, this was, um, both of these are really impressive. And, and I mean, like, if you're interested in any of the, any of the themes that got brought up, if you, if you love a him as a motif, if you're scared of dogs. <laughs> yeah. There's um, plenty for you. If you love goats, you know, a lot of goat if representation. If you love goats, yes. Huge goat representation. <laughs> big get. Big this get. Is, this is big. <laughs> even though even though it's already been played because of Black Phillip. Listen, uh, these films dared to say it can be done again. This is like really, so many of my favorite horror movies feature goats. <laughs> I can't believe that someone would say that you shouldn't feature goats in a horror. I think all of them should have. Them. They are. They're Satan's animals. They are like, fucking Satan. I'm sorry. That didn't begin with the witch. Sorry. Hate to burst your bubble. That shit's been around, you know? Yeah. Satan has always fucked with the goat. <laughs> so. And so do I. <laughs> Hell yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Honestly, like if you if you yeah. listen to this podcast and you don't have Shudder yet, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I right? don't I don't know what to tell you. But I, I will mean, say if they if you don't, you're probably like a parent of one of us. You know what I mean? Like you're just like you're just yeah, a really or supportive you're like a person. Summary reader, as we've said that we support and love, and that's fine. You yeah, should read the Wikipedia summaries for these movies. They both are pretty comprehensive. And you should check out Claire C. Holland, um, who we named our podcast after her book of horror-themed poems called I Am Not Your Final Girl. And you should follow Brian Demarest, who made our show artwork. He's Evil Flynn on Instagram. He takes commissions sometimes. And you should feel ambiently thankful to Pat Spurlock, who is our technical and emotional support. Yeah, he's Phantom Stranger on Facebook. If you want to follow him, he's Phantom Stranger Records. I forget what town. Grover no. Beach. Grover Beach. Vera mm-hmm. in Grover Beach. And thanks to you for listening. You should pat yourself on the back for making it through, um, especially if you're a Wikipedia summary reader, because this is a rough one. <laughs> this is a rough one. And we're so thankful to you for it. That's and right. We're happy to be back and we'll have more stuff for you soon. We got plans. Some fun well, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving <laughs> in, in probably the future. I think we'll, this will probably be out before Thanksgiving, but you know, carry it with you in your heart. Yeah. Let this be grateful for us. This Thanksgiving season. Please be grateful. As we are for grateful us. for you. Has to. Okay. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye, everyone.